Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today we are joined by returning guest... Carly Wayne. <laughs> and also new first-time guest... Matthew Scott Montgomery, I'm so excited to be here. Yay! Yay! Um, today we're discussing fear itself, but because Matthew Scott is a new guest... We are going to have him give us his Buffy origin story first. Ooh. Well, first, let me just say I'm such a huge fan of you guys, so thank you so much for having me on. Um, I love podcasts, and I w- I've been looking for a Buffy one for like the last few years, and when I stumbled across you guys, I was like, finally, gay guys talking about Buffy. These are my people. <laughs> um, and I literally stalked Matthew on social media, just like DM'd him and was like, notice me. And so this is like, <laughs> this, is really, this is really cool being here, so thank you. Um, my Buffy origin. Well, Buffy was the first non-cartoon that I watched. Um, and I remember I was a little too young for it when it first came out in 97, but I remember sneaking upstairs. Um, I had, this is gonna sound like bougie or whatever, but I had like a three story house for a while. And on the third floor was this tiny TV. And like, when I wanted to watch things, my parents like wouldn't let me watch. I would sneak up to the third floor. Um, I don't remember my parents telling me I'm not allowed to watch like the WB or something, but I just remember sneaking up to watch season one of Buffy on the third floor TV and then like decided I wasn't ready for it. And then, um, strangely, um, I was a huge Michelle Trachtenberg fan as a kid. I'm an actor. When I was little, Harriet the Spy made me want to be an actress. When I found out Michelle Trachtenberg was going to be on Buffy, I was like, she's going to be on Buffy. I'm old enough now because I am Michelle Trachtenberg. And so I started kind of officially watching live when season five came out. Um, And then I kind of backtracked, got all the DVDs and was totally obsessed with it from then on out. I am kind of a Dawn apologist because I feel like I have to defend Michelle Trackenberg, but I've watched the series a lot. I think, Matthew, you said you've watched it like eight or ten times or something like that all the way through. Um, I think I've watched it probably five or six, not quite as many. And, you know, since I've watched it a fair bit, I start to see, I can understand um, the Dawn hatred, uh, for sure, like a Jar Jar Binks kind of status, and I get it. But um, when I was, like, born into my Buffy world, I I was, like, I identified with Dawn as part of it. Um, so I wrote a whole article um, in defense of Dawn Summers. Yeah, Ian <laughs> is on record on the internet as yeah. being Dawn Summers. And my editor was like, Ian, you're pushing it with this article. Because <laughs> she's, like, a big Buffy fan, too, but she was like, ugh... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so do we want to so get let's, into the episode, yeah, Matthew? Yeah, um, so we're here today to talk about fear itself, because fuck the calendar, we're going to talk about <laughs> Halloween at the okay. end of the year. I mean, the probably kind of staring at the new year, but we're going to talk about one Halloween ever, because as Matthew Scott Montgomery knows, the spirit of Halloween is year-round. He's a big yeah. Halloween fan. <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about whenever. Um, so yeah, just to intro this episode, this is one of three Buffy Halloween episodes. There's Halloween, there's Fear Itself, and there's All the Way. And I am on the record on the internet on IntoMore.com, where I'm a staff writer, um, as saying that I believe that this is the best of the Buffy Halloween episodes. Mm-hmm. We can start there if anyone wants to. It's a great article. I offer read what you wrote. I agree with what you wrote. You wrote it was. It's really cool. You guys should read it. You have it. 
I did read it, and I also agree, and I, Carly, what are your thoughts? See, I'm sure I agree, because uh, I think when when people were doing the top five meme on Twitter, I think I put Fear Itself in my top five episodes. But, you did, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, I think I had the caveat of saying that um, my, my top five episodes tend to change depending on my mood, and I think I was just in a real big Fear Itself mood when I was coming up with... <laughs> my ideas um but i i honestly like this one and i know i think we had talked a little bit about the halloween episode uh yeah last you, time i was on you were on for the halloween episode I was gonna say. yeah <laughs> wait carly was that's right i just <laughs> want to say <laughs> i want to take a sidebar to say kudos to me and ian for being amazing guest bookers because we have two huge halloween and fear itself fans here yeah <laughs> and honestly i just want to say hats off to us yeah good job yeah. good job matthew and ian <laughs> I was like, didn't we talk about? Yeah, because I did two episodes. I did Halloween, and then I did the Surprise Innocence two-parter. Yeah, yeah. wow. But uh, but yeah, I, I you know, and having I actually just rewatched this about half an hour ago before we started <laughs> recording, so it's really fresh in my memory. And uh, and oh man, it's so much fun! Like even more fun than Halloween for me, I think. So <laughs> I would I would say it's number one Halloween themed episode. Yeah. I love all three. I mean, I, all the way is kind of trash, but I still love it. I like it. And I watch all three of these, like, on, as Matthew knows, on loop um, in the month of October. And so this was a fun little nasty treat to be watching it post-Halloween season. It was great. <laughs> um, yeah, well, think- all the way is kind of like an incidental Halloween episode. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, the only thing I want to say about all the ways, I think it's the one most that captures like a youthful Halloween. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, obviously, this one is more college, and it's dealing with a frat party, which we'll talk about. And then the first Halloween is really, like, this romantic story. And, and like, you kind of think of Buffy and Willow and Xander, even if they are 16 years old, you think of them, you age them up. But all the way works really hard to, like, age uh, Dawn down. Yes. And, like, you get really swept up in, like, the whole her first kiss story and stuff like that. So... There's be- there's some good parts to all the way, even though they like they really scapegoat this lovely old man who just wants to make brownies. Yeah, <laughs> I love how the stupid fake out and like just like this <laughs> poor old toy maker and his kitchen knife. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like beats his demise. Um. So watching this episode today, I had forgotten because I like. I mean, Matthew and I both have done the same thing where we've like. Once we started watching, we've just kept going. But, like, so I'm, like, halfway through my season four rewatch, but then I watched it again today. And I kind of forgot the, like, the opening is a little weird. Like, we don't get the plot until after the opening. And normally there's, like, hints of the plot in the opening. But it's mostly just progressing Buffy, kind of like Buffy's heartbreak depression storyline, which I guess is the season storyline. Yeah, we don't even really get the stuff with, the the big bad you know the the bad of the week or whatever until the end of act one yeah when when oz accidentally bleeds on the symbol that they were painting on the floor but yeah the first like the the pre-credits is just buffy moping and being that friend who like everybody else is just trying to have a fun time carving pumpkins and she's like have you ever thought about the fact that like just thinking that the life of a pumpkin is so depressing and everyone's like oh, okay <laughs> Well, I 
Well, what's interesting, too, is watching this is they don't even get to the party until more than halfway through the episode. Mm -hmm. And that's what sticks with you. But really, this shows, like, how deep in the weeds they are with, like, not being able to do one-offs on Buffy. Because, like, they really have to juggle all the storylines, right? Yeah. And so you have the opening with Buffy talking about the pumpkin guts. And they also are talking, like, Xander doesn't know about the college party. And they're bringing that up, too. Just so that, like, you were, they're, like, checking in with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do it later. It's not right away. But the first post, I think the first post, um, what's we call it? The credits, like, the first post theme song sh- uh, scene is yeah. them talking about Willow's magic, right? So they're really yeah. doing like, a check-in with where everyone is. And Willow's magic is going to play, like, such a big role in this episode, too. They really drag out, like, the Parker stuff, too. Because, I mean, well, technically, this is the first episode after they've slept together. And and he's basically said, oh, it was just a fun time. And then I don't think she... But she doesn't really kind of move on from him, I think, until after Beer Bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because in Beer Bad, she gets to hit him with a club, so... (laughs) Right, right. She is a little cathartic, you know, in the form of Cave Buffy. (laughs) Um, Also, it's really weird watching... Oz talk like he's being weird like I put in my notes like I thought it was like a little bit annoying how he was like almost against it but all of the things he talks about come true in season six yeah oh Oz is talking about to Willow about her magic and yeah stuff. yeah yeah when he's yeah. like you don't know where the darkness can bring you and it's like oh god this all does come <laughs> true he's being annoying but he's right like well yeah. sort of I guess, like, the beginning part of this episode is kind of, like, this is, maybe this is a bit of a stretch, but, like, setting up the fears that they have, or it's, like, you know, the the little stinger at the beginning or whatever. It's, like, Buffy's afraid of being alone or, you know, like, or being unlovable or whatever it is, and it kind of sets up that Xander is, like, afraid of being left out of, like, college stuff, and then when you come back from commercial, it's, like, there's this vague sense of, like, worry about Willow using magic, and then later in the episode, her magic gets a little bit out of control, you know what I mean? So I think they're, like, trying to set up the idea of these, like, individual fears that, you know, continue as the series goes on, but they, like, you know, address them head-on for this, like, fear-related Halloween episode. Well, I'm going to take what you said and stretch it even further, maybe to its limits, and say yeah. that um, I think, well... We talk a lot about this season. I mean, we're, we're only on se- episode four of this season on the podcast, but whenever people talk about season four, they do talk about the lack of, like, a huge big bad and, like, how that's not really the point of the season, yeah. at least when I talk about it. And around episodes three or four or it, in this span is usually when Buffy is gearing up to, like, introduce its big bad. Mm-hmm. And because the season lacks one, the season is more about, like, how they're all going to, like, deal with their deepest insecurities. Like, Buffy is going to be alone. Willow's magic is going to go awry. Like, Zan- uh, Xander is going to feel left out. And that's going to be what's going to happen in Yoko Factor and Primeval and all that. Yeah. And this episode kind of foreshadows the entire season in a way that, like, a one-off Halloween episode usually would not. Mm-hmm. I was but- just about to say, there's a lot of foreshadowing. Like, even even when um, later in the episode they're trapped in the in the frat house and they get separated and then Oz wolfs out and the last thing that Willow says to him before he yes! runs away is, don't leave me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's foreshadowing. He's going to leave the show. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to leave because of wolfy things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was actually thinking about this because I know that uh, that Oz that Seth Green did kind of abruptly quit the show, um, but I always wonder at what point he abruptly like 
were they already writing this and he quit and they just hadn't filmed it yet? Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder at what point, because it feels like, you know, that does completely set it up for that. Yeah. Um, and, like, in the opening mm-hmm. credits, they have scenes from, I think, I want to say up to the episode before he leaves already in the opening in season four. So I always wonder at what point he quit, whether it was like it was already written and then they just kind of, or... Yeah, maybe maybe they were going to break up, but he wasn't necessarily going to leave town. Yeah. And then they were like, well, we have to write him basically skipping out. Because yeah. also, I think they do do good work with Oz for the, like, you know, six episodes he's in. I think they do a lot of putting him, like, giving him more to do. Season three, mm-hmm. he didn't have much to do. But in season four, because they're not in high school, there's not, like, a big ensemble. We never really get an ensemble cast of college characters. Um, I feel like he immediately has more to do, and I actually enjoy him at the beginning of the season. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's never, yeah. he, he yeah. never even mentioned before that he was afraid of magic. Like, not afraid, but, like, concerned about her use of magic until this episode. And, like, he kind of was a little bit flat before this, but I feel like in this season they give him more to do, which is unfortunate because then he leaves in like then two he or leaves, three episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he always feels like to me in this season, he's the kind of bridge between the Scooby gang and like the rest of the kids yeah. at the college. Like, you know, yeah. he's the guy who knows the, you know, the Alpha Delta frat guys and he goes over and hooks up the sound system and Xander's being all awkward and eating grapes and like, but he's kind of, he's always been kind of like the bridge between the quote unquote cool yeah. people and the Scoobies who, as we know, are, you know, their own little gang of like misfits. But it's, yeah. it, it made me sad though, knowing like he's going to be gone and, you know, yeah, like three two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get to the frat, the, um, what are they, the Alpha Delts? Before we get Alpha to the Alpha Delts, Delts which yeah. I want to get to next, um, I, want to like something that you brought up or it's like when we're talking about Oz I know it's like later in the episode but even when um they introduce their costumes so Ian has said a lot that like and we've all said that like Oz and Willow just feel more like best friends they don't have a lot of like really big chemistry that like makes you love them the way that you you would love like Tara and Willow um they always just seem kind of like chums and then when like um, Willow is Joan of Arc and she says she has a close relationship with God it doesn't even feel like it just feels like she's talking about her BFF like <laughs> like it doesn't say she's like in love with God or whatever it's like it's just very like they're two friends who went to... oh, I think it's like cute. a very weak couple's costume I thought that was cute I, thought it, I think it's so charming yeah no I think it's weak <laughs> no you don't you don't think that it's weak <laughs> <laughs> I expect Oz, Oz would never dress up, so yeah, he's like I'm cool. not a dresser up either, Carly. Ooh, we should just <laughs> yeah. I don't really dress up for Halloween. You don't? No, I don't. I like my so for those of us who don't know on the program, I work for Grinder, and Grinder has a very big Halloween like it loves Halloween. So we had a company Halloween party, and everyone dressed up. And I literally the morning of went to Salvation. Ar- no, I didn't go to Salvation Army. I went to Goodwill because I don't go to Salvation Army because they're homophobic. I went to Goodwill and bought like um, it's Goodwill in LA, so they have like costumes from stuff. So I had like it was a bloody nurse's costume, and I went as a slutty dead nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just like to add slutty to whatever I wear. So I wore, like, stockings and, like, a, a bloodied, uh, whatchamacallit, what is the thing that nurses wear? 
I don't scrubs. Know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's funny. It was bloody scrubs, but also probably the most comfortable costume. Oh my god, it was so comfortable. <laughs> I was lounging. <laughs> um, Matthew, I don't even so, think I saw a picture of that. I don't even take pictures around Halloween. I'm like, I'm the one who grabs the camera. I'm like, everyone else get in. Hmm. Um, so the Alpha Delts, we so first of all, it's very important that we recognize that the Black, Black Ranger, Power Ranger, yes. Yeah. Is yeah. There. Also, isn't it so weird? Like, I it feels like it should be an on purpose casting to be like, oh, this like nerd cult show that's on the air is casting someone from another like big nerd cult show, but he doesn't really do anything. No. <laughs> no, I mean he he's not. He doesn't have. I mean, aside from, I only know him from two things. I know him from. I mean, well, this episode, so three things. The Black Ranger, this episode, and the little-loved uh, 1990s Nickelodeon show Space Cases. Whoa. Oh, oh man. yeah, Space he was Cases. There. He was With on Space Cases. He was the captain. Fate. Yep. <laughs> I remember that show. Uh, I've watched it on YouTube. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't even really get that on, like, they don't even have it on DVD, do they? No, no one talks about it anymore. <laughs> uh, I forgot he was on that show. That's so. I always remember Jewel State was on that show, but I never really remember anybody oh, else. Oh, she was. Yeah. 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 Like free Firefly. But um, so when we introduced the Alpha Delts, this is like the second episode in Buffy's history. The first being Reptile Boy that we like get into frat culture, yeah. and Buffy very, you know, good goodly has a very negative view of frats, and like the whole conversation is like about deceiving women to get them laid. And I couldn't help but, like, watch it through the lens of this cultural moment that we're having. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. being like, yeah, they're so skeevy and gross. Also, I, I think it's weird that Oz is the reason this all happened. Right? Isn't that he weird? bled a lot. Yeah, like, it's really weird that, like, that is, like, a thing that is the reason, but, like, we never never circle back to that or never they never don't even know they don't even find that out um i I feel like it almost feels weird because it almost feels like something stupid like something stupid that like xander might like do and be like whoops i fell into this thing um but it feels like oz i don't know it just feels like i'm like oh oz like as soon as he's bleeding i'm like oh damn it why don't any of you notice well, this is kind of a like a theme for this episode is that like all the plot points really about Gaknar and everything are so incidental. Like the show, the yeah. episode is really about like their fears and shit and everything that happens is just like a coincidence, like the blood and Buffy destroying the mark and all that. And then like the inscription at the end, like there's really no rhyme or reason as to why things happen. But I kind of love that. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, before we get to the full party, I wanted to say that I love, I, I mean, I love her, so this is going to be a common theme in season four. Anya, I feel like Anya is all of us dating, right? Like, I just feel like Anya going to Xander and then being, and like, I don't know, she's just like, when he's like, oh, do you want to come to the Halloween party? Like, he clearly is like, whatever about it. And she's like, Oh, like a date? Is this a date? Are we dating? Like, I feel like that's me. <laughs> and this is also our first time we the bunnies come into play. Yeah? Yes. Yes. Um, and I love that. Um, yeah. But also, I wanted to point out that Professor Walsh is such a dickhead to Buffy. 
She's so mean. <laughs> right? Because also, oh, well, all your limbs are intact. If you miss class again, you're out. But Buffy could have had a family emergency. Someone could be dead. Like, she doesn't know. And she doesn't even want to know. Like, she doesn't give a shit. And I feel like I would have been really angry if I were her student and she said that to me. Um, and it, so I thought of... I have a little anecdote. One time a math teacher in college was like, oh, if there's any errors on your test, like he was handing them back and going over them, he was like, wait till the end of class and then come up. And there was one question he graded wrong that was right. And I went up to him and he was like, and I was with my best friend at the time and she was waiting with me to leave class. And I went up to him and I was like, oh, hey, like this is, you marked this wrong and it was right. And he was just like, I'm not stupid. There's an eraser mark there. And I was just like, yeah, it's a math test. Of course there's an eraser mark. And he was like, you changed that while you were sitting down. And I was like, you told me that we couldn't talk to you till the end of class. And being the mouthy brat I am, I was like, fine, I don't care about my grade, and ran out of the class and slammed the door shut and left my friend in the classroom. (laughs) (laughs) And she had to, like, open the door and walk out and was like, Ian, goddammit. (laughs) So that's how I would have treated Professor Walsh. I feel I well I really feel like this season did a disservice by getting rid of Maggie Walsh because I feel like she should have been like the big bad more oh, so totally. than Adam. Oh totally. And like this they like this relationship this early talk with Buffy is like really interesting cuz she's going to go through so many phases with Buffy like once Riley starts dating with her dating her and then also after she talks to uh, Maggie we do get the like her and Riley talking as like TA and student which is a really interesting dynamic that's also like kind of messed up and has its own power weirdness um, when they start dating. But I do think that they like, even in the conversation that like they have good chemistry. I I, I think that Mark Lucas and Lindsay Krauss kind of have the same face and that Riley and Professor Walsh kind of look the same. You know what? Now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, they do kind of look alike. We showed the show to a friend of mine who had never seen Buffy, and we watched it together all the way through. And we got to season four, she was like, huh, they have the same face. And I've not, I haven't been able to unsee it ever since. <laughs> oh, my God. That is fr- actually kind of freaky. <laughs> yeah, like, now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah, they do. They kind of do. <laughs> Maybe it's because they're supposed. Maybe it's like a, they looked for actors who look like they could be like mother son, like maybe yeah. in the casting or something. Yeah. Because she's supposed sense. to be like his mom figure. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I actually did want to go back and say that about the Anya scene too is like Anya talking to Xander is again like everything that we know about Anya is that like she's learning her like womanhood from like watching like julia roberts movies or like something <laughs> like that and she thinks i mean it's it's, it's an interesting comment too like even to go back to like the frat culture like kind of skeeziness even if it's wrong like she thinks that in order to continue the relationship she has to say no and that xander is supposed to not take her no at face value and like call her up and be like oh i still want to go on a date right because he was like i thought we were over like you said you didn't want to and she's like yeah but you were supposed to like fight for me and so she's like kind of even gaining like the wrong ins or like you know it's yeah. a cultural thing that happens but it's like fucked up but it's that's that's what she's garnering is that like we're men are supposed to chase women right even when they say no yes and actually kind of good on xander because he took her no at face value and did not like force his agenda on her so yeah. good i mean so i know we discussed this in harsh light today but i really do think and, like, I'd be interested to hear what Matthew Scott and Carly Lane think. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I do honestly think that with Anya, it is that she's supposed to have learned all of this because she is an ex-demon. It's like, the culture is sexist, and so she's learning all of this from, like, watching TV and, like, reading magazines. And, like, if you are new to human culture and that's all you have, then, like, that's what you would think of, like, dating and things like that. So I do think it's, like, written on like that on purpose, but... Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so, like, kind of devastating and beautiful about Anya's crazy arc is that, and I'm sure you guys have discussed it before and we'll continue to discuss, but, like, the idea that, you know, her whole purpose as a vengeance demon was to, like, you know, punish men, basically, and then she, she starts reenacting all the behaviors that the women who end up getting vengeful have gone through themselves, and she ends up, you know the one who wants to seek revenge in the end. And, you know, she got, kind of gets like, um, um, I'm not as articulate as, as Matthew is with writing about this stuff, but it's like, um, you know, she gets this, this society thing bites her in the ass. And when, when, when all along it was her original job to punish people for this exact behavior. And then she like enacts it herself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think, the, and too, on top of that, is that, like, she kind of does wish to get revenge on Xander, but then by season seven, she kind of realizes that, like, vengeance isn't the solution in a way. Like, she right. kind of moves past that, so she kind of realizes, like, it's funny if they had really explored Anya more, if they had had a, an, an episode or even just a scene where she was like, I now realize that like I could have talked to all those women I helped and been like, this isn't worth it or something. Because she kind of realizes that her job was to hurt people like Xander, who she ultimately loves. And they kind of come to their own like reconciliation at the end without having, you know, without her having to resort to any kind of personal vengeance. Like I kind of like where they where they leave it, even if it's bittersweet. And then, you know, obviously we know what happens to Anya, which uh, we'll sad about <laughs> still to this day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So my next note that I wanted that I that I had was about this Buffy and Joyce scene. Oh my which, gosh! I'm so many about the scene. Wait, what did you say, Carly? I have so many thoughts about this. Scene. I want to talk about this scene because it's first of all, it's still weird to see Joyce like season four, like I she's know. and um, I just feel like I mean we know that she's really wallowing because of the Parker thing, but then she kind of like goes from like upset about Parker to like upset about the divorce. About her dad. <laughs> Yeah. In a very easy, like a very dramatic way. And even she even uses, does anyone catch that she uses like a queer terminology? Because when she talks about going cr- trick or treating with her dad so he could get candy, she says, I was just the beard. Beard, yes. She yeah, she does. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is queer. Because yeah. I was like, what straight person uses that to refer to their biological father? Like, I was going to say, what person uses that to refer to their dad? But then, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the part where Joyce is like, I have a nice circle of friends now. I'm like, where? Where are your friends, Joyce? <laughs> the art gallery. Yes. But also... <laughs> I actually, God, um, I actually felt like Joyce's, it was one of Joyce's better, like, advice, thing, mm-hmm. advice, like, speeches to Buffy. Yeah. Um, because it did feel, like, pretty adult, and, like, you know, in your teens, early 20s, it's like you have the same group of friends, and blah, 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 and then, like, you know, I'm 34, <laughs> um, and, like... <laughs> you know, that shit does change, and, like, you do realize stuff like that, I guess. Um, 
now I'm sweating because I'm like, oh god, I feel so old saying all of this. Um, but like, I, for me, it did at least feel like a good, a good speech for a mom to give her daughter, mm -hmm. and a single mom to give her daughter because the daughter's <laughs> relating weirdly her failed relationships with men to her mother and father's divorce. Um, yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought it was a good Joyce moment, and it is weird because it's like a what two minute scene, and then we don't see Joyce again. We don't see Grant, and then the part where she talks about like it just made me sad when she said, "Oh, it didn't help that my last boyfriend turned out to be a homicidal yeah. robot," and I was like, "Joyce, that was two seasons ago. You haven't been out at all since then." That was my note. I was like, "Has Joyce been getting any?" Like, I need to know. I really because Joyce is first aside from more, Young like, Giles. Christine Sutherland is is gorgeous, and like I need Buffy's mom to be getting some on the regular. <laughs> I think aside from Giles, when they got infected by the band candy, that's, that's true. Oh yeah, that's but true. Then it, but then it was Giles, so mm. yeah. it might have been it might have been not too bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. <laughs> the other well, the other thing, Carly, is that like in that scene in in her speech, like Buffy's mom does set up the theme of the season. Like that's the work that she's doing is talking. Mm -hmm. Like she really gives us the whole speech about like friendship and them being there for each other, which they're ultimately not going to be. So she's like commenting on the episode and on the season. Yeah. Ooh, that's a really good point, Matthew. I love when you use that big, sexy brain of yours, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Girl loves foreshadowing. <laughs> so uh, wait, before we get to the party, I just want to see if I, I feel like, Oh, I was just really mad about professor Walsh. Um, I think the scene with the chaos happening at the frat house is actually, like, you know, oh, Buffy... God. Yeah, right? Like, Buffy is often put in the horror category, and I'm always like, eh, I don't know. But I thought this was, like, pretty good TV horror. Like, in a, in a pre-American pre horror story, like, primetime WB way, this is probably the scariest that you can get. Yeah. Can I pause for a second? Speaking of American Horror Story, is this the American Horror Story house from the first season of American Horror Story? It, that it, it sure is. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm glad. Okay, it's good. It's the murder house. <laughs> yeah. No, like, it's the same house it's you're saying. It's the same house. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the house. Yeah. Yep. You are blowing my mind. <laughs> I didn't know that I was, either. I looked on Wikipedia. Why wasn't Jessica Lang in this episode? <laughs> in LA, you can just go there, but the people who live there now put up a fence and they shine this big, bright spotlight at night to discourage people from coming by and taking pictures. Oh, really? Yeah, I think yeah. I remember reading, I want to say like last year, the house was actually for sale. Yeah, and some people bought it, but they obviously didn't know what their asses were getting themselves into because like... Um, I've, I've been by that house many times. There's always like a crowd of people outside, but they've like, they fenced it off because they don't want people coming to visit or taking pics. It's, it's funny because I mean, I've been to the like 1630 Ravello drive, Buffy's like mom's house. Oh, fun. And it's literally just like, and it was really funny because I was self-conscious cause I'm like such, well, because I'm a neurotic nerd. Um, so I'm like, oh, this is going to look so stupid, blah, blah, We got there, and there was these lesbian moms with their, chi with their child taking photos outside of it. And I was like, uh -huh. okay, I feel so much better. So, like, I took their photos, and then they took my photos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it was, like, really well, weird. The house is just, like, there, and they don't have anything. They have some, like, bushes in the front yard, but it still looks like the house. Well, have you ever heard that story about how, like, because, you know, people constantly visit the Full House house in San Francisco. 
And there was that story about how John Stamos was there one day and people didn't know it was John Stamos and he ended up like taking people's pictures and no one took a picture of him there. And later he like tweeted or went on Instagram. He was like, I went to the full house house and no one there knew it was me. <laughs> Which is weird because John Stamos looks even the same, exactly the same or even hotter than hotter, he did yeah. as Uncle Jesse now. <laughs> but I, I might have just been like, oh, that guy's really hot, but, like, not have realized it was him. But I guess if you're a fan and you're outside the house, you should know what he looks... I don't know. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, but wow. So but, thank you for teaching me that this was the murder house house, because I'm, I'm honestly living right now. I think it's been in, like, a bunch of other stuff, too. So now we're so, yeah, at the party. the party. <laughs> Yay! So, oh, so after that scene, that, like, scary scene where the frat boy breaks his neck... And the, the girl who's, like, a dead princess, like, is laying on the couch, and then, like, there's a flash of her eyes open and her smiling. That's so creepy. That yeah. creeped that me was... out so much when I was younger. Yeah. Yes. I was like, ooh. <laughs> little strobe light. Like, it was creepy. My favorite, though, is, like, when they walk in directly after that happens, there's already a detour sign and cobwebs all over the stairs. <laughs> if you notice. And I'm like, oh, did, like, the, sp- the house spirits put up a detour sign? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> I need to know. I think that was supposed to be just, like, stupid frat house decor. Well, no, it's the same stairs because it's behind that guy with the eyeball coming out of his face. Oh, right. And that's where the frat boy... Those are the stairs to go up to the party, and the frat boy broke his neck on those stairs. And then when they walk in, if you look, there's a sign on the stairs that says detour, and there's cobwebs all over the stairs. So they don't, like, they they can't take the stairs directly to the party. And later, that's where Willow finds the stairs, and she has the amazing line, Buffy didn't find the stairs, no sir. (laughs) (laughs) um also i didn't realize how i mean i guess it takes them so long to get to the party in my brain this episode is the whole is like the whole episode is the party but also anya gets there pretty like not too long after they're already there um and i just feel like that moment is such a good like this episode is such a good buffy like peak buffy moments like i feel like Anya just casually strolling up in this really silly, fluffy bunny costume. and But she's totally serious about it. She's just like, oh, where's the door? Like, um, I feel like that's such a, like, really iconic... I mean, that that costume is iconic, I feel like. That's what people relate Anya to. Like, I want a Funko yeah. Pop of that Anya. Um, but yeah, I feel like... I don't know. I think all of the stuff that happens once the party starts is all peak, like, Whedon, Buffy. Well, I think we've talked a lot about, like, Buffy and how a lot of the show's greatest episodes have to do with, like, arguments. And I love, I think the Buffy-Willow argument is, like, one of the best Buffy-Willow arguments (laughs) in the show. Well, and it's weird. The basic spells are 50-50. So is your face. (laughs) That's my favorite. That was my Oh my God, such a good line. But then when she walks away and she's like, I'm not your sidekick, which is like they're a both huge right. thing to say. Yeah, it's but like yeah, a huge thing. it's like so weird because they're both arguing and kind of being a little too mean to each other, but they're both right. I mean, Buffy's doing her loner bullshit that she always does. Yeah. Um, but also she's like, right, like, oh, I don't want to, like, your spells are 50-50. And at that point, they were. <laughs> which we then see explode in her face in something blue when, like, you know, the spell literally affects all of her friends. Um, yeah, I just, I really liked that argument. I like, I mean, I like seeing all their fears happen. I mean, we even see Oz's fear and, like, he cuts Willow by accident. Um, 
Also, can we talk about the fact that uh, the two initiative guys show up randomly <laughs> to remind before, us on that the that's way a to thing. to remind us that they're just out there like patrolling and it and honestly, it would have cracked me up if one of them had actually been Riley. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they were thinking that far ahead when they were planning the show, but just the fact well, that. They yeah. like cross ahead of them. They come out of the bushes and they're just standing there. <laughs> well, uh, remind me where we are right now. Uh, Spike hasn't been captured by the initiative yet, right? Uh, uh, doesn't he get? No, wait. Oh, does he? Or no, wait. he runs away into the. Because uh... Harshlight of Day, he gets the ring and then he. Does he get captured at the end? I think it's the either Beer Bad or Wild at Heart. No. One of the next two episodes. Yeah. yeah. The initiative episode isn't until that's episode seven. And yeah, and it happens the episode before. Oh that. no, Wild at Heart, he gets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Because I remember, like, at the be- I, I also sometimes when we do the when we do the podcast, I try to talk about the previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer moments because they're also trying to like remind you about the story and like in the previously on Buffy moment before this episode, they really do a thing to like remind you about the initiative because the show is like trying to remind you that it's building to something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um yeah, they do they do have to like remind you of the initiative in the beginning and like I mean because I because I watched season 4 out of order um and season 4 is kind of where I like faded out until I came back strong again at at the end and at, during season 5. It almost feels like why are they doing this? Like it feels like we need a little bit more to care cuz it's like in the first episode one of Sunday's lackeys who runs away gets captured. But like, all right, so what? Yeah. Like... <laughs> well, it's like you were saying, the fact that the show, the season takes so long to introduce like Maggie Walsh and then Adam, I guess you could argue were kind of the two like big bads of the season. Um, and the fact that the show probably by this point would have started teasing out who it was already. Yeah. So it's kind of nice that they're doing it a little more subtle though. Cause the, I mean, if, as far as I'm concerned, like the initiative sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, it's, but I like that they're, that they haven't even really introduced them by name yet. They're just kind of like, Oh yeah, who are those commando guys? And then, I mean, if you already know, then that's one thing, but for people watching for the first time, it's kind of a nice little teaser. Yeah. That there might be something going on. Yeah. So something, so I've watched restless with Joss Whedon's director's commentary on the DVD. You <laughs> loves watching the I DVD always bring up the director commentary. I like, no, I like the director commentary, but I'm sure with, with Joss, it's probably <laughs> particular. You're like, Oh, Joss. So in, it's funny because in the director's commentary for restless, do you know, remember that moment in restless where Xander's peeing and the whole initiative is watching him? Yes. 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 Whedon says, like, I honestly believe this is the best use of the initiative all season. So I look <laughs> that he knows the initiative wasn't that great. Because, <laughs> like, he even, like, kind of just, like, poo-poos it on the DVD commentary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Amazing. my gosh. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I don't know. So then they get in the house, and then they're all separated. Um, and I feel like Oz is genuinely the one I feel the worst for like i feel the most bad for him um because he seems to be like the rest of them are scared and lost i mean buffy's not scared because it's buffy but like it feels like he's the one that's like you know he has this terrible transformation going on he's like yeah. i gotta stop i gotta stop and he's like sitting in the bathtub freaking out and i'm actually like oh i feel bad for you you sweet werewolf child 
Well, well he's like a- his thing is he could hurt people if he yeah, you know, if he turns enough. So, and can we talk about the weird severed head that? So the whole thing is like, oh, these Halloween decorations come to life, but that severed head still looks like a Halloween decoration. Yeah. And that skeleton is so terrifying. The one oh, where it, like, it's so creepy. And they do such a good the- job with that. Yeah. Wow, that is that skeleton is so well done. So that skeleton is really good. I was watching it and I was like, this even looks good like for TV now. Like yeah. if I saw this on TV now, I wouldn't be like, oh, that looks bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. I think that like when Buffy had to do like costume stuff like that, they did a pretty good job. Um, sometimes the demons might have looked like, what do we have left sitting in the costume room? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm old. Yeah, that's season good. six. That's um, totally season uh, six. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 what's that shark that like, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> the lone shark, the, the, the shark with the kittens and that whole thing. I always thought it was so strange that you had this like, out of nowhere, this like dude with like a Mako shark head in a suit who's like, you know, a gangster with like ma- his mafia of kittens or whatever it was. <laughs> well, and like, and then there's that the demon when Halfred traps them in uh, the Summer's house, the demon the that like demon. comes out of the sword and has like weird this weird wig and a bright red face that looks like a mishmash of and he has buck teeth yeah like big buck te- like rabbit teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode does a really good job of like these are the things, but the severed head still looks like a Halloween prop severed head because the mouth doesn't even move. The head yeah. moves when it no. speaks. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting, the, the thing that about, about Oz too is that like he, his thing is scary because like we don't really know that Oz is afraid of being a, va- a, a werewolf all the time. Yeah. And I think his is like terrifying because he does hurt Willow and then like he is also like, we we don't know we don't get a lot of inner psychology on Oz. So knowing that he's afraid of being a werewolf and that's what he is is actually kind of super interesting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think we get a lot of expanding his character, you know, five episodes before he leaves, and it's like, oh. I think this is the one, like maybe one of maybe four times I'll ever knock Allison Hannigan for acting because she's the best actress on the show. But I think her swatting away the flies looked really underdone. And she- I feel like I have to defend her for this because that's, that shit is hard to do. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like I always watch the scene, imagining her on set and how embarrassing that must be. Unless you, you, you like, because you just have to like swat at nothing and run around at nothing and scream. You know what I mean? Like, I think that stuff is hard to do. No, it really is. I'm just saying, like, I think that Allison is so, I mean, especially the person who works with magic the most, she's really good at selling something that's not there. Yeah. And I just felt like she wasn't selling it this time. So I, it probably is very hard. I just always feel like Allison Hannigan is up to doing it. And and this one, she just looked really awkward. Yeah. I see what you're saying. If anyone could do it, shouldn't it be her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I will never talk shit on Allison Hannigan because she acts circles around almost everyone she's in a scene with. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I know I say this all the time, but like, I think the women on this show... I don't understand how so many of them didn't have such better careers after the show. Like... <laughs> They're all so good. I mean, Alison Hannigan did immediately go to How I Met Your Mother, and that show ran for, what, like, nine, ten seasons? So, like, probably not hurting for money, but I mean, like, job-wise, it's crazy that they don't get more work. I don't know. <laughs> I always think about how, like, how everyone I know and care about would obviously think of Alison Hannigan as Willow, but that there are probably 20 million people in America who are like, who is oh. Willow? She <laughs> is from How I Met Your Mother, whatever her name was on the show. Yeah. Like, she's band camp girl. 
You know what yeah, I mean? Or, or that. Or, you know, she's Bandcamp girl, who then went to How I Met Your Mother and never did anything on TV besides that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's True. always weird that, like, Alison Hannigan and David Bore, David Boreanaz, who has the least, like... He is maybe the weakest link in acting ability on the show, has, like, the longest-running career. He had Bones, and then he had whatever the hell that new Navy SEALs show is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Pretty... <laughs> Pretty white male privilege is the answer. <laughs> but he's not even that pretty. <laughs> I mean, do you even have to be that pretty? <laughs> yep, that's fair. <laughs> um, um, some could say that about Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> there was a point when I thought he was hot, but then I got over that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> then you realized you were mistaken. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I was mistaken for years. <laughs> <laughs> you were mistaken. Um, so we get Anya going to Giles's house, and I really love, I love Giles and Anya scenes because they're reminiscent of Giles Cordelia scenes, and they just, I think, I don't know if it's the actors or whatever, but they play off each other really well. Giles being immediately annoyed with her always like gets me. I just love it. But I also love how here Giles is so, like, nonplussed by Anya's description of what's happening to the house. Oh, huh. And just, like, picks a book. He's like, okay, let's go get it. You know, like, he's so, like, bothered by it, which is so funny to me. He's like, oh, yeah, it's a summoning spell. temporal, you know, whatever. I'm like, what? (laughs) Well, even when he walks into, like, solving the problem, he's like, oh, yes, it's Gaknar. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) He, like, knew who it was right Right. away. And that's what I mean, like, in terms of writing, because there's so many other things going on, like, whoever wrote the episode was very much like, we can't have them pondering what's happening at all. Like, Giles needs to walk in and know what the fuck is going on (laughs) right now. Yeah. Also, I was just gonna say, as an aside, Giles being into Halloween and wearing the sombrero and having the little dancing monster in the house is one of the best parts of that episode. (laughs) It's It's alive! It's 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 it is, so good. It's really endearing that Giles is like, and I like that Buffy even says to him, "You don't like Halloween," and he's like, "I was a librarian. I didn't have time to like Halloween." Um, also, can I tell you that they did release a fig, an action figure of Giles in his problematic sombrero, and it was one of the last figures. Like at that time, it was like super rare and blah blah blah. And I found it for com- at Comic Con like two years ago for ten dollars, and I was. So excited, but also so embarrassed to buy this, like, problematic figure. But I was like, it'll complete my collection. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. What? Speaking, though, of problematic costumes, that one frat boy that has the um, the, Rast- the uh, Rastafarian, oh, like, yeah. wig on. And that's it. That's his whole costume. God. <laughs> that dude sucks. Oh. But wait. Can we talk about the one, the one little? Cause they really do have that that one humorous moment with the guy who's dressed as the lobster and he's having the fight with his girlfriend who's dressed as a gift. Person, yeah. yeah, he like his girlfriend's like dressed as a giant present. And they seem miserable. Have no chemistry. Wait, can we talk about um, uh, uh, Willow's black uh, uh, hallmate who was the friend on the Secret World of Alex Mack, who's literally just in drag for Halloween and says hi to Willow for two seconds, then walks away. Right, he's that's like, the guy from Secret World of Alex Mack. Yes. What? Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, his name's like, um, uh, Dar- hold on, let me get this. I'm looking this up. <laughs> oh, wait, what was it? I love Alex Mack. Darius Love. Darius Love is his name. Is the hallmate. Who's hallmate. Drag. He doesn't even get a character name. Nope. 
Call and me. He's just, he's just straight up in drag and then walks away, and that's it. And it, they oh. they do a like a cute. It's like weird because Willow's really cute with him when she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I wish I could." Like, and it seems like she genuinely means it. Yeah. And I don't know. I would like to get. I I always think of that like. Willow seems pretty likable, so it makes sense that even, like, people that are party animals that, like, she wouldn't normally hang out with would still be like, oh, I like Willow, let's invite her, like, you know? Well, it's so funny because, like, we see the whole show from the vantage point of, from the viewpoint of Buffy, and she's having such a hard adjustment, but Willow is, like, crushing it. Like, (laughs) college is so popular and just, like, is generally pleasant and doing well. It's so funny to think of. Yeah, it's true though because you, Buffy's like, I'm having trouble in my classes, and like even even before she and Willow were roommates, like she had Kathy, and Willow was like, What's going on? I'm having a blast at college, and Buffy's like, My roommate's literally a demon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even in the freshman when she's like walking, like Willow is genuinely what? excited about all the things being handed out, and Buffy's kind of like overwhelmed by them, which you know, are both very valid reactions from the two of them, but it's, it is really cute to see Willow, like, doing well. Yeah. I I wanted to say one more thing about Giles. Okay. I I feel like in the very beginning of season four, like a sombrero, they try to put Giles in many different hats, and and, and I mean that in terms of characters. (laughs) That's an an amazing segue. Yes. No, because I feel like every time they open Giles's front door, he's like totally different. Like in the first episode, he's like, "Oh, I'm a cool bachelor. I have no time for Buffy." And then now all of a sudden, you open the door, and it's like, "Oh, Giles loves Halloween." And like, I mean, they deal with it in a new man, but it, you can kind of tell how aimless he is in that. Like, the writers are kind of just like testing out which person out which Giles personality is going to stick post high school. I mean, it, it feels like the writers had a lot of fun being like, "Well, who does Giles get to be this time?" Because he gets to be like sexy bachelor but he's also like goofy dad who likes halloween wait speaking of which i would like to submit my vote for worst actor on the show as opposed to david Boreanaz is the actress who plays olive who's you know olivia see sometimes oh i'm so sorry olivia wow trash (laughs) kick me off of this podcast i was like who is olive (laughs) i'm a terrible person i don't deserve to be here um (laughs) She's. I, I can't remember her name. I think she's so bad. No, I'm kidding. But like, I just think she, I just think Giles deserves someone who is so like. I don't know. I just thought that was so horribly miscast. I think she's so bad. Maybe that's why they didn't use her as much because they got her and they were like, oh, maybe maybe you're not as maybe they couldn't she couldn't handle like emotional dialogue. As you guys continue to watch season four again and, and do more episodes, keep an eye out for how piss poor she is. I am H O in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, she's only in. <laughs> Three episodes. Three, yeah. yeah. Thank God. Which is so weird. Um, for, for me, I like consistency, even if, like, the, like, performer isn't that great. Like, for me, it always bothered me that we never, he never even mentions her again. And it, like, in the first, her first introduction, it does literally just seem like, oh, this is just, like, a casual hookup, which is totally cool. But then yeah. we see her two more times, and she's in Buffy's fucking dream, and Restless, well, like... yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is like we always we were just talking before about like Buffy. Even when they find like a minor character, they're usually really good at just finding an actor who gets it. Like, you know, I've seen interviews with with uh, Jane Espenson where they talked about like how lucky they were that Mercedes McNabb just turned out to be that good that she could completely switch from Harmony the person to Harmony the Vampire Slayer. I mean, the vampire. (laughs) Yeah. And and then like there are a lot of people who just like on the show who are on it, but it's also like. 
a late 90s, early 2000s WB show. And when they find actors who are bad, oh, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially just, like, the background. Like, when, like, Matthew and I, Matthew Scott and I were watching All the Way. And, like, the ones who play the vampires who bite Dawn, like, they're horrendous. Yeah. And... The one and the ones who play the fat the frat brothers, with the exception of Zach the Black Ranger, um, like they're terrible. They're really bad. Also, guys, I cringe every time we're like, "Oh, the Black Ranger," because Power Rangers was such a mess with like the black guy being the Black Ranger, and every time I'm like, "Oh God." Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry to just like kill the dead, like stop the podcast dead, but like I always think about that. I'm like. Argh. <laughs> It's okay, Ian. Bring your race analysis of Power Rangers here. We welcome it. Yeah. I also, Matthew, like that you clarified which Matthew when you said Matthew and I, well, Matthew Scott and I, as if I was going to get confused which Matthew. <laughs> oh, wait, no, but speak, speaking of Power Rangers really quick, I saw this shirt. It was, um, so I had a hookup a few weeks ago and he wore a shirt with the pink and yellow ranger on it and it said girl power and i was like this is the correct outfit to wear <laughs> to a hookup that does sound like a good shirt. and i want it so if anyone knows where i can get it please tweet me um side note i actually really loved the fucking power rangers movie with elizabeth banks as rita repulsa like oh i loved it i like, haven't seen it yet yeah carly you Have haven't you seen, seen it, it? I was I tweeted about watching it and then I got like 15 replies that people were like why no don't do it and then I ended up watching John Wick 2 instead uh, so I still have I still have I know Wait, Matthew Scott have you seen it I have not Oh my god it's so good it's I know like, I want to see that I love Becky G I'm a huge fan of hers and like I there's no I don't have any good excuse for not having seen it It's like Degrassi but with superpowers like yeah, that sounds okay. like my wildest dreams I don't know why I haven't seen that <laughs> I I loved it, and Elizabeth Banks is a drag queen and loving it in that movie. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks is kind of acting in a different movie than everyone else, but I want to be in the movie that she's acting in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I like Matthew has been saying this about um, Kate Blanchett as Hella, how like she does a lot oh. of posing and like. Oh yeah. And that's I tweeted of- that it was like her 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 performance was made was she acted in gifts. Like, yeah. she was like, how is this going to be a GIF, and how can I make sure that the gays will like, retweet, and stan? Yes. <laughs> should accomplish, too. Like, best drag oh, performances yeah. of 2017, whoever won RuPaul's Drag Race, and then... Sasha Valore and Kate Blanchett and yeah. Thor <laughs> God, um, this episode's going to air in 2018, isn't it? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> but so when Buffy, so I, to get back to this episode, when yeah. Buffy walks into the room, it kind of looks like she's walked into this like drug den. Like everyone is tripping out, like they're on LSD and they're all muttering to themselves. Like and yeah. they're all just like terrified and nothing's wrong with them. And yeah. I just like I was like literally, I just called the everyone is on LSD room. It's like yeah. are you guys okay? Are you guys like crazy? <laughs> the the guy getting his neck snapped and then coming back to life as a zombie. To, like attack Buffy is like kind of intense if you think about it. It's like, oh, this guy just died, and the house, Gatnar, yeah. the haunted House of Leaves house, like revived him. Um, and yeah, it's like weirdly grim. Also, where the hell is that in the house? But well, I I'm <laughs> interested in that moment only because like the house is really good on preying on on people's fears, and like it made Buffy alone, it made Xander invisible, it made him made Oz a werewolf, and Willow have bad magic. Like, 
Buffy is not afraid of having to fight zombies. Yeah. So it was weird. I don't know if the house, like, from a writer standpoint, like, they were like, the house knows that Buffy's strong, so they're trying to give her something to fight. But at, from a so from a, a strategic standpoint, trying to off Buffy is cool. But thematically and aesthetically, I did not feel like <laughs> that is something that Buffy would fear. And therefore, it was out of character for the villain. Well, I still have to say I appreciate it, though, because that's giving you your Halloween. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, just get like all we so at the end of the day, all I kind of really want is Buffy in a haunted house and zombies chasing her and she destroying zombies and them crawling out of the ground. And so I appreciate them giving me that fantasy just for like 30 seconds. Well, that's true. I think that like Buffy is a worse show when there's not like a really good fight scene in an episode. I, I love that that's all you want is Buffy in a haunted house being chased by zombies and killing them. <laughs> much to ask yeah <laughs> um, you got you got what you paid for with your ticket you also, got it have any slash all of you read the book house of leaves um no but i'm familiar with it and aware of it matthew no i don't know what that is carly no i have not damn it <laughs> i'm sorry i know which book you're talking about though because but for it. me it's a, one of the scariest books i've ever read that i had to put down for I think three months and read a bunch of like late like David I like reread David Sedaris books and stuff like that because it was my ex at the time well my boyfriend at the time who's my ex um who's a good friend well, it was his favorite book and he gave it to me and it scared me so much um but basically this book is this episode is kind of like the plot of that book because the whole point is like the mom and the the family moves in the house and the mom's like big on decorating. And things start moving around the house, and she, like, kind of is going crazy, like, wait, did I move this? Did this move? Like, there didn't used to be a closet here, right? And, like, then at one point she opens a closet, and it's a giant room. Um, and, like, it's a very basic premise, but, like, the writing is so good that it's absolutely terrifying. Um, and I felt like this... If I, I should have looked this up, but I felt like this was, like, very influenced by that because the whole point is that the house keeps moving. And, like, she opens a closet and there's a whole room and then eventually there's, like, a staircase in that room and then, like, the house just keeps getting bigger and moving around and they all get lost in it. Um, and, yeah, I felt like this was kind of, like, the WB version of that and I kind of like that. should read that. Because I remember thinking in the book... Why don't they just chainsaw through the walls like Giles did? <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, the, one of the funniest gags, though, in the whole episode where you think he's going into his bag to get, like, a spell yeah. <laughs> or supplies to, like, make a magical door. And he's and she's, and she's Anya goes, you can create a hole? And he's like, I can. And then just starts. And then, did you notice the look on Anthony Stewart-Head's face? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just so happy to be wielding a chainsaw in that moment because <laughs> he, he gets to be the badass cool that's what i'm saying guy. like yeah. he gets to be he knows that he gets to be the badass for once and then and then of course xander's line he's like it's giles with a chainsaw, chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> this ongoing thing on buffy that like whenever someone brings anything that's not a stake or like a medieval weapon into the game it feels so cool yeah like or i mean it does feel stupid when it's a police with, with when it's like a cop with a gun but yeah. when it's like Giles with a chainsaw, it's really, or really Buffy great. Buffy with a bazooka. <laughs> right. Buffy with a bazooka is cool. Cop with gun bad, but Giles with chainsaw, amazing. Like, I almost yeah. wish we could have gotten some, like, oh, Giles pops in and then suddenly those zombies are in the room and they have to fight them and Giles gets to, like, chains- chainsaw some zombies. That would have been really cool, but I feel like that would have been way too bloody for Buffy slash the WB. 
Yeah. Maybe but zombies it, don't have blood. Maybe he could have just chainsawed them and their heads would have just the, fallen off. The arms off. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would have been fine. I mean, the vampires turn to dust, so they could, like, create that. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Um, but I also, can we talk, so can we talk about Gaknar? As I said before, I think everything is so peak, perfectly Buffy. Giles reading the, like, and blah, blah, smashing the symbol and Buffy smashing it. And he's like, is decidedly not what you do. And like, yeah. That just it's feels so, so perfect. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and uh, well, but yeah, I feel like the show's at its best where it's like combining horror and comedy like in the same moment. Yes. And that is like peak that right. Like you think yeah. something yeah. really scary is gonna happen, but they just make it like the funniest. Like this, this show we've talked about probably has the scariest moments for the show. Some of the scariest moments, but also has just some of the like most irreverently funny moments. Gaknar coming up through the things and like being yeah. all like Rah! and then he's just like a tiny little thing <laughs> and the fact that <laughs> they are all amu- they're all laughing about it too yeah. like works so well <laughs> my favorite thing is then it cuts to them just looking and his voice is all tiny even like it's not <laughs> even that he still has his big scary voice it's like he has tiny little and he's like I am the dark lord <laughs> 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 and even like the part where he, where he, Giles just says, "Don't taunt the fear demon." Xander's like, "Why can he hurt me?" Like he got really <laughs> nervous for a second, and Giles is like, "No, it's just tacky." <laughs> and he's like, "Buffy, you still have a job to do," and she's just like, "Yeah, yeah," and just like smashes it. Like I love it. <laughs> I also think the costume design on Gaknar is really good. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. they really do their best to make him look scary when he's even tiny. Like, he just looks really gothed out. It's, like, and very like, Hellraiser. He's very... Yeah, and, yeah. like, with the, like, he almost has, like, ninja stars, like, on, like, like I don't know, on his leather outfit. It's very... He's He looks like he's in a chain gang, like, in a yeah. demon chain gang. He, yeah. yeah, and he's got, like, weird, weird metal across his face, and then he... But then he almost has, like, a Viking type helmet like over oh. his horns i don't even in a way he almost looks like the demons that chase them when buffy comes back to life in season six yeah again yeah yeah see but season six is a lot of that they probably were like what was left over in the costume room oh look at gaknar great let's do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh, look at gaknar. now it's a chain gang a chain gang of gaknars <laughs> <laughs> so also I love the beat it ends on with them sitting, eating candy in Giles' apartment and Xander looking at Anya and he's like, that's your costume? And she's like, bunnies, they terrify me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, you know, the Anya theme throughout the show. But I love, it's such a like silly introduction to that. And I just, I don't know, I just love it. (laughs) It's great. And can I say when I met Emma Caulfield at a Comic-Con forever ago, she was sitting at her table drawing bunnies on the table. No. <laughs> and oh I my gosh, loved that's it. amazing. <laughs> oh. Also, Gecknar's final line about them all abandoning Buffy. Foreshadowing, yeah. foreshadowing. <laughs> um, okay, guys, so favorite outfit, Carly. Oh, favorite outfit. Uh, Buffy's Little Red Riding Hood outfit. I don't know. I just love it all with right. the hood and everything. She looks cute. Matthew Scott? Um, Giles in what I want to say is black leather and a chainsaw. (laughs) Matthew? Sounds like my Friday night. Oh, honey. (laughs) Um, I, so I was going to say Little Red Riding Hood, but watching the episode, 
Buffy is wearing that little, like, before Halloween, for most yes. of the episodes, she's wearing that cute, like, off-the-shoulder number with the flowery yes. rim on it. It's so cute. So, Matthew, my favorite outfit is, I say, Anya's bunny costume, just because it's, like, so iconic, but followed closely second by Buffy's cute flower print over-the-shoulder top from the beginning of the episode. <laughs> it's yeah it's so adorable it's so cute and i feel so this season i always say this but buffy wears a lot of flowy tops but she also wears a lot of like i don't know am i saying are they over the shoulder tops is that what they're called like off the shoulder shoulder. right off the shoulder tops she wears a lot of both of those like either a flowy top or an off the shoulder like well she shows her shoulders a lot this season but it's most I think it's also because like this season she has as I always say Sarah Michelle Gellar's peak hair season is season 4. Her hair this season is so good and it's long enough that it kind of flows to her shoulders. So she does this really cool like I have long hair and it's like caressing my shoulders and you get to see my shoulders. It all works. I think <laughs> so to be that one, I think season 5 and season 7 are her best hair seasons. <laughs> Season seven is not her best hair season. You are trash. You're trash. If you even, if you even suggest that her mom hair, she has mom hair most of season seven. It's like up in a in a clip, like in a bunt, like in, you know, like what's that I think thing? Hair looks a bump good when it. She wears it up. I, but season five hair is really good. It's and, kind of like less blonde, but like and she like wears a, hoops a lot in season five. And I season season five hair is great. I'm not saying it's not. I think that her peak hair season is four. I'm just saying that. I just think she crimps her hair too much. Tiny bangs for season three. Yeah, Um, that is great. Yeah. All right. So, favorite scene, Matthew Scott. Oh, uh, um, um, I don't know. Carly, go first. Oh my gosh. Uh, I I think the end when when Gagner comes out of the floorboards and he's tiny, tiny. Yeah, Matthew. Um, okay, I'm ready now. Sorry, I'm okay. <laughs> Matthew Scott. Um, there's a there's a cute moment that I really liked this last time that I watched, and there's so many favorite moments in this episode. I'm just gonna go with this one, and it's really really small, but it's when Xander and Buffy are together, getting ready to meet up with everyone, and Xander comes up to her and he goes, yeah. "Hey, little girl, what you got in the basket or whatever?" She goes, "Weapons." Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. That is a really good moment. <laughs> and he just goes, "Oh." Yeah. <laughs> Matthew. Um, I am gonna say the final the the scene with Gaknar. Same, that's my it's my favorite scene. I just I love that scene. I love everything about it. It's so silly and it's so wonderfully Buffy. Um, okay. And did you did anyone cry during the episode? No, no. no. I did. I have to say, I did almost tear up when Anya appeared on screen, just because it's so pure and so Anya in her Buffy costume. Um. And what do you guys... So, Carly, you haven't answered this question because we didn't have this question in season two. Oh, my um, gosh. What do you think Dawn would have been doing, either in this episode or... Because it's season four and we don't see the Summer's House a lot this season. Yeah. Um, probably in the scene with Joyce uh, interrupting their conversation uh, to ask Joyce if she could go trick-or-treating. And then Joyce would be like, you're too young to go by yourself. And she'd run up to her room and slam the door. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it would have been like Dawn would have been in that scene, but there would have been a way that they would have made it heartfelt. Like Dawn <laughs> would have like, they would have been like, Dawn, you're too young to remember like going trick or treating with dad or mm-hmm. yeah. when they bring up the, like, what do you, I, or, Ooh, I bet you that like 
Dawn was going to want to use the cape for her for her outfit. And Joyce would have been like, no, it's Buffy's cape. She wore it when she was 12. She gets to wear it again. And John would be like, you're ruining my life. And like, <laughs> get out, get out, get out. Yes. <laughs> That's the one she does all the time. <laughs> it's like my favorite gift to use when anyone says anything like silly on Twitter. <laughs> so funny. Wow. Matthew Scott? Um, well, I always thought it was kind of strange in the scene with Joyce and Buffy where she's like, Joyce says, like, oh, I remember this little girl that wore this, what, five, six years ago? And to me, Buffy and Sarah Shagallar always seem, not old is the wrong word, but they seem so much, she, she seems so mature to me watching the show that the idea that five or six years before that scene, she had been a little girl wearing a Red Riding Hood costume always made me feel strange. Um, but I guess if Dawn existed here, she would have been that age because she's like, what, six years younger than Buffy? Five or six years? Um, and, she's only you know, four. Okay. Yeah. Um, Joyce would have been, you know, probably working on Dawn's costume. Although knowing Dawn, Dawn would probably gone upstairs to her room after screaming, get out, get out, get out. Looked herself <laughs> in the mirror saying, does anybody even notice for two seconds? <laughs> And then she would have snuck with Buffy to the party and she would have gotten to the frat party and ruined everything. And Gaffner would have had like hold her hostage and they have to save Dawn. It would have been the worst Halloween ever. <laughs> they would have had to go into the floor to save Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that Dawn would have been jealous that Joyce was fixing Buffy's Halloween costume and not her own. <laughs> but either way, I guess we all had the Dawn would have been jealous about something. Um, yeah. Okay, so how do we grade the episode? We do A to F, uh, Matthew Scott, just because it's your first time. Yeah. Um, I would give it a B plus, and boarding on an A minus, but I think I'd give it a B plus. Carly? I, I think last time I was on, I gave Halloween like a B, so I'm going to give this one an A because I like it the best out of the Halloween episodes. And Ian, I'm asking myself, um, I am <laughs> going to give it an A as well. Matthew? I'm going to say A minus. Work. All right. And if you, thank you guys for joining us. And if you would like to follow SlayerFest98 on Twitter, you can find us at SlayerFestX98. And if you want to follow Matthew on Twitter, you can follow him at Matthew Rodriguez, one T, a G, and a Z. Carly, Oh, wait. Uh, what? What? <laughs> Sorry, I skipped over you, Matthew. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. If you want to follow Ian, you can follow him at IanXCarlos. And I, I know we were going to go to Carly next, but I, I just, I forgot this. But now that we're doing Twitter stuff, I think it's really important that Matthew Scott Montgomery say his Twitter handle because <laughs> it's related to Buffy. Um, my tw Twitter handle is iRobotUJane. Um, <laughs> uh, based off of, I know, I know, my favorite Buffy episode. <laughs> oh my god that's your favorite puffy episode um i have a lot of favorites but that one's my twitter handle so it's pretty high up there that's fair <laughs> that's fair <laughs> yeah um carly <laughs> <laughs> um you can follow me on twitter uh at my name carly lane yay 
Thank you guys for being on. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to, everyone who's listening, to subscribe and rate our podcast if you love us. And if you don't, then you don't have to rate us. But thank you guys. If you don't, why are you listening? Do better things with your life. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be so aggressive, Matthew. They can still listen. (laughs) Anyway, bye. Thanks, guys. Happy Halloween. Yay. (laughs) In 2018. (laughs)